Hey everyone, it's Marcos Viegas, founder of Fight Up TV. And today's guest is the undefeated lightweight contender from Australia, George Kimbosis Jr. George will be challenging for the lightweight titles of the world in June against Teofimo Lopez on Triller in Miami. As he talks in depth about how he doesn't fear the power of Teofimo Lopez, why he feels he will win the fight, and looks back at the valuable experience he gained being in three camps as a sparring partner for Manny Pacquiao. We now present to you, George Kambosis Jr. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Marcos Viegas. This is Fight Up TV being joined with George Kambosis Jr., who is gearing up for his fight with Teofimo Lopez coming up either at the end of May or beginning of June. Uh, we think in Miami, uh, taking him on for the right to be called the number one lightweight in the world. George, uh, thank you for joining us. Thank you so much. I see that uh, you're at the gym right now. Did you just get finished with the training session? Look, I'm always in the gym. I've been in the gym as soon as I beat Selby, like I said. Uh, just finished another session, chilling out, talking to you, and then I'm going to go into my strength conditioning. So I'm a gym rat, man. I'm always in the gym. I'm working hard, and uh, i got a point to prove. i got someone to prove in this fight. You know, speaking of uh, this fight, like the way we got to it was such a like – unorthodox way like this fight goes to triller it goes on a purse bid we're like we're all like what the heck triller triller's like bidding on it how did you hear of the news that this fight was going to go to triller um look obviously because of the time difference i'm in sydney at the moment um i was up real early about 4 a.m in the morning and i was waiting for uh, the call from my my great manager peter khan who i regard as the best manager in the world and he goes look i asked first i got who's bid and he said, look, top rank bid, matchroom bid, and uh, Triller bid. Go, who won? And he goes, Triller's won at $6 million US. So it's beautiful, man. That's, that's a whole different uh, – they wanted to make a statement. They want to shock the world. And um, that's exciting because the way they do things, they bring in a lot of uh, different entertainers, influencers, and, you know, it's going to grow my name. And, look, they paid us both what we deserve. You know, we're, we're, we're prize fighters. You know, we're elite fighters. And um, we deserve to be paid. And we're putting on the line. And this is going to be one hell of a fight. Were you surprised? Uh, like, how was, like, knowing that, hey, like, Triller won? Like, what went on through your mind? Um, look, I was excited. I was excited, but, uh, you know, I straight out went to the gym. It was, like, 4 a.m. I said, you know what? That's it. It's done now. I'm going straight to the gym. You know, TFM, I don't know what he did. He might have popped some champagne like he, like he tweeted. Um, he might have had some, some nice food, but I got stuck into the gym because I knew that uh, it was all set. We had a promoter now. We had uh, someone that's going to promote his fight, and it's on. Now, you, you touched on it. You said that uh, you guys both got a uh, purse that you felt that you deserve, uh, which, you know, I, I've always said in, in interviews that you fighters have the right to get as much money as you possibly can for each and every one of your fights because any one of those fights can end up being your last fight. Yeah, 100%, and especially when you're fighting at this elite level. Um, you know, we deserve the paydays. But again, it's beautiful, the payday. It sets up my family. I've got two young kids, so it sets them up. But um, really, my motivation is, is, is not the money. My motivation is beating this kid, taking his belts, and shocking the world and, and proving, you know, everyone wrong. Um, you know, Thriller came in and shocked the world, and I plan on shocking the world when we fight. But, um, you know, it's, it's great. It's great for boxing, and it lifts up the market value. And, like I said, we're, for, we're, we're prize fighters. You know, the promoters are already rich. And that's so uh, it's about time the fighters start making that hard-earned money. Now, you, you would think because 
a fighter in your position, any fighter, obviously, you know, the goal is to be world champion, but also is to make as much money as they can. And when they hit a certain point, when they get like the purses, sometimes they end up being content. I don't get that sense from you, like getting a career high uh, payday in this fight that you're, you're content with that. Look, I'm never content. Um, Lopez, I believe, is very content right now. He got, he's coming off a massive payday already against Lomachenko. That money hasn't hit my account yet. I haven't seen that money. I won't see that money till after the fight. Until this day, I'm, I've been fighting on the smaller shows, building my way up, then got my opportunities uh, for the smaller purses. And, you know, my last fight, there was a bigger purse. But um, it's, like I said, it's not about the money. Uh, that gives my family a better life, my kids a better life. I'll say right now, I'm a hungry motherfucker right now. And that's why I'm in the gym nonstop. And excuse my French, but you know, I'm coming to beat this kid. And they can say what they want. They can doubt me. But when you've got that iron will and that determination that I have and with the skill sets that I have, and I've only shown a little bit of it. Trust me, I haven't shown everything that I have um, you know, in my fights. I've done what I had to do. But for a fight like this, I'm going to pull everything out. Now, I'm going to touch a, a little bit more on, uh, on that fight, but I, I do want to ask you, know, were, were you surprised by how we got to the purse bid situation uh, with the comments that Aram said about the fight not being uh, big enough to get like a, a bigger purse in, in the back and forth between Teofimo and his promoters? Look, Aram, whatever issue Aram has with, with Lopez, that's their issue. Let him keep arguing. Fantastic. Um, at the end of the day, what, whatever Aram wants to talk about saying this is not a marquee fight, Six million US. I'm pretty sure that's a big marquee fight. And as a challenger, first time fighting for a world title, obviously undisputed unified title. Um, I'm making more than what his star fighters are making. And I say, hey, Bob, this is a marquee fight. And people will watch this fight. And um, you need to relax, man. You're 89 years of age. I don't want to piss you off, but you need to relax. I know you like to, I know you like to smoke uh, you know, your, your, your weed, so... <laughs> just uh, ro roll on up and, and chill out, man. Chill just out chill and relax. Out, bro. And, uh, <laughs> and um, give me a call when I'll be your boy because, uh, you know, I'm sure you're going to have a lot more interest in, in Cambosis after that. But um, look, I respect Bob. Bob is a legendary promoter, Hall of Famer, but unfortunately, the game's changed and uh, Triller came in and, and, and made the move. Do you think this is like a, a new sign of the future? Do, do you think this is where... Uh, fights are going to go and fighters are going to go like a after well if you want if you want to get paid and and uh you know you you know how to promote properly um this this could be the platform uh, these guys are going to come in heavy and i'm sure they're going to continue doing the thing um to take over boxing but uh you know all that is is, is not my concern you know my concern is is beating two female locals I like you, George, because you're you're very like focus minded. Like you know, you just like tunnel vision on, on what needs to to get done. I got tunnel vision, man, and I talk from the heart. Everything I say is facts. There's no uh, no lies within, no bullshit. Um, <laughs> even when I lie, I tell the truth, and I'm taking that from Scarface. So, um, <laughs> look, I'm just a warrior, man. I'm a warrior, and I come to fight. You know, if you look at my track record, you know, there's, there's there's no games in my track record. I've taken the hardest fights I could. I've chased everybody. And um, look, all these guys have been afraid of Tefemo. Uh, I'm not scared of him, man. I don't, I don't really, whatever he's done, great. But stars make fights and we jump in that ring. And that's a whole different story. And you know, I know what I've done. I know who I've been in with. I know the sparring I've done. And I know the aces up my sleeve. Now, getting into the fight now, you know, his last fight 
obviously was the, the biggest win of his career against Vasily Lomachenko. You know, you looking in a, a, on that fight, what did you make a, of how that fight played out? And, and how can you use what you saw in that fight into this bout? Look, I'll, I'll never take away that victory from, from Lopez. Um, congrats, but you beat the man to become the man. Now, now you've got the target on your back. But we saw the Lomachenko that turned up. He was half a Lomachenko. You know, he's a smaller man than, than every other lightweight in the division, for, for starters. Um, it's, all, it's all pretty, uh, it's been stated that he had that injury with the shoulder. We could see it in the fight, but again, I won't take that away from, from Lopez's victory. And he was out for, for a year and a half since he fought Campbell, so that ring rust is very evident. Plus, he has a lot of miles on, 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 the, on the clock with all his amateur fights and being thrown straight into that you know, high-level elite fighting you know, from literally day dot when he turned pro. Um, but the fight I've been watching is from round six onwards. I don't watch the first six rounds. I watch, watch from round six onwards because, you know, you can see that that's when Lomachenko started to turn it up. And that's the real fight there. You could see where, where Lopez backtracked. Lopez started looking very vulnerable. And uh, his stamina, his gas tank, um, you know, started to fail him. Yeah. Lomachenko might have thrown three and a half in the first six rounds. But I plan on throwing three and a half thousand in the first six rounds. So let's see how uh, Lopez's gas tank land, uh, lasts in the later parts of the round of the fight. Yeah, you're, you're looking to really bring the fight to him then really, you know, put that pressure on him in, in the activity. Look, I'm a Spartan warrior. And, and what we say is either with your shield or on your shield. So you want to try to take me out, take me out. But be careful you don't get taken out yourself. But um, look, I'm very excited. I know what I'm about. I know how fast I am. I know how explosive I am. I know how, how good of a counter punch I am. And, uh, you know, I just know how to land. I know how to win. And when it gets down to it, you know, like we said, that money's already in his account. He's already living a very comfortable lifestyle. I'm not. I'm in the trenches. I'm working hard every single day. And uh, I've got a family to feed. I've got two kids to feed. He doesn't have that. And that's my motivation. That's my drive. And again, I'm about to leave. I'm about to go to the U.S. now without my family. I'm going on my road by myself. You know, the, the, the lone warrior, you know, off to, to America again to tackle you know, another champion. And uh, we will be successful. Given that, that you're leaving home, coming over here to train, to, to leave your family, what does that do to your mentality and, and your approach to this fight? Look, for me to leave my kids and my family and um, you know, obviously the good people around me here in Australia, and I've got a lot of good things here in Australia, successful things that, that, are, that are happening at the moment. Um, for me to say, look, I'm going back to the US, which I always have. I've been doing it for the last six, seven fights. I've got a great team in, in Miami. And um, that's what I've been doing for, for the last six, seven fights. That's why my career has gone the way it has and made me successful and got to this point. It's all been earned. It hasn't been given to me. But me leaving, especially my two kids, you know, they're only four and two. Um, you know, that's, that's the hardest thing in the world to do. But I've got to do it for their future. And as soon as I leave from the airport and I say goodbye to them, and I try my hardest to, to, to stay strong, but it's very hard when you're leaving your kids and your family. You know, anything can happen when you're overseas. You might not even make it from the flight. You know, you never know what could happen. So you're saying goodbye. But um, you know, as soon as I, I, I leave them and I don't see them, I go into an absolute warrior state. And to beat me, he's got to kill me. And if he wants to kill me, he's got to be prepared to die himself. So um, like I said, I'm, I'm hungry, man. I'm so motivated for this fight. And, um, you know, 
having that distance away from my family, from my kids, you know, not seeing them every single day, you know, is, is what even drives me even more. When it gets tough, you know, I'm ready to go up that next gear. Now, he might be too comfortable at the moment. He might be a little bit too civilized at the moment. But I tell you, I'm a motherfucking savage right now, and I'm coming for this for this win. What do you make of his power? Because a lot of people approaching a fight with Teofimo would be like, you know what? I got to be very, very careful with this guy's power. Like, I don't want to exchange with this guy because of, of the knockouts that he's had in the past. No, fuck his power. I've been, <laughs> in, I've been, in, I've been in there with uh, with heavy hitters myself. I've been there 250 rounds with Manny Pacquiao, welterweight. He's landed clean. I've just looked at him. Go ask Pacquiao yourself. If he, if he relies on his power, then he's in a big, big uh, problem. But uh, I'll give him that respect. He's been knocking guys out. He's been hurting guys. But um, like I said, the power is, is not my concern. Now throw your best shot at me, and uh, I'm sure I'll smile. You know, like, like I mentioned to you, you know, I was watching tape of you, and, and the two things became very, very apparent from me because I, I had – uh, I asked around uh, people, you know, hey, you know, how would you describe George's uh, style, you know, to someone who's never seen him before? And they'd be like, oh, this guy's very relentless um, pressure. Like he, he throws a lot. And I'm like, OK, so I, I came in with with that thought. And then, you know, I, I saw, you know, uh, two of your fights and I was like, dude, this guy's an extremely underrated counterpuncher. Like, what in the heck? Like, and his timing is really, really good. And I'm like, why aren't people talking about like like that? Like, you know, th that to me is like a big big asset for you but but for any fighter uh, and their ability coming into any type of fight i'll tell you why because you understand boxing obviously you know you understand the sweet science a lot of people don't know boxing and obviously i'm i'm, I'm learning that more and more that people really don't know boxing uh i don't know why they think i'm just an aggressive guy that comes in head first but uh whatever they want to believe that's that's fine now, i'm a sharp shooter man i'm a, I'm a fantastic counter puncher my hands are so precise. I hit that target when I want to hit that, that target. And um, look, I've got so many different styles. I'm ready to adapt to whatever style I need to. You got to understand, I was a, a sparring partner for Manny Pacquiao for three different fights, three different styles, and I played different roles. Um, so my, my, my fight game and my, my uh, fight ring IQ is huge. Um, I can change styles. I can be one, one way in one round and change it up in the next round. So that's what... A lot of my opponents struggle with, and that's what Lopez is going to struggle with because we've got a, a lot of looks for him, a lot of different styles for him. So if they think they're seeing one thing, we'll be uh, very surprised. So how are you expecting the fight to uh, turn out uh, when you play it in your mind or, or when, you, when you see it? Look, the way I see it is victory for myself, you know, shocking the world. But I believe my speed, my movement, and uh, my, my aggression will be very effective in this fight. I will put him on the back foot and I will box his head off. Um, I see what he is. He's a one-two puncher. Now, he relies on his power non-stop. And the big factor is, man, the guy, the guy is so overweight. He might not look it, but the guy is so heavy. I'm already on weight right now. I'm very close to weight. I can make weight tomorrow. Now, this kid is going to struggle to make weight. And I feel that's going to be a big factor in them later rounds too. But don't be surprised I catch him early. I've got a very explosive uppercut. Got a very explosive left hook. Got a very explosive right hand. Um, any punch can take him out. And I understand that any punch can take me out as well. But um, I'm prepared for, for whatever way this fight goes. You know, from 1 to 12, I will be dominant. Now, for himself, I, I believe he's only preparing for a three-round three fight. 
because he uh, he believes he's going to take him out early, and that's fine. Whatever he thinks, whatever his uh, his dad thinks, that's that's uh, no issue. Do you think uh, what you alluded to the uh, the weight thing was is because he's looked a little bulkier, like a little more muscular in, in recent months? He's, he's stacked on a lot of weight, and uh, it's funny when you see people say, "Oh, he's so big!" Oh, the size. Well, we're fighting at sixty-one point two kilos, one hundred thirty-five pounds. So the fight's not a catchweight. The fight's not a. It's not a sparring session. Walk in whatever you want. You got to make that weight or lose your belts on the scale. So whatever weight he's he, he's stacked up to be, uh, he's got to bring it all the way down. Well, I'm focused on just beating him and and breaking him down and working on game plan. I bet you a lot of his camp is going to be about him making weight. Mm. You're a no-nonsense guy, George, and you um, are very honest. So let me ask you this, because uh, with his victory over Lomachenko, a lot of people have uh, have brought up this argument, a lot of boxing fans, uh, some of which are split. They're saying like, hey, he's not really undisputed because of the whole Devin Haney situation. When you're coming into the fight, do you see him as the undisputed lightweight champion, or do you feel that the there is an argument there, a little muddle the water that's not Tails' fault, that's not Devin Haney's fault, it's the organization's fault, but he, he can't call himself undisputed. No, he, he is the undisputed champion. He has every single belt, and when we fight, it'll be for every single belt. You know, Lomachenko had the WBC belt. Obviously, they decided to uh, make a franchise title, which is like a super title, super belt, just like the WBA has, and uh, he moved on to that, obviously, title. Um, he beat the guy who was a WBC champ, Lomachenko. Now, Devin Haney never fought for the title, never won the belt properly. You know, he was an interim champion or a super, whatever he was, a super champion. And all of a sudden, he got an email or Gmail or Yahoo mail, whatever you want to call it, and he became a, a world champion. If that was me, I would have said, listen, I'm putting the, uh, the email in junk, in spam, and I ain't accepting it. I'm sending it back because I, I like to earn things. And even if I don't, obviously become a world champion and something goes wrong, I'd rather know that I gave my all and no one gave it to me. You know, Devin Haney is parading different. He thinks he's the full champion. He thinks he's the uh, WBC champion. Um, if he wants that false sense, but I bet you when he looks down deep in his eyes and when he looks himself in the mirror, he knows he didn't earn that belt. And a lot of the fans know that he didn't earn that belt. So I look at Lopez as the undisputed unified champion at the moment. Come our fight, it's going to be a whole different, uh, different uh, talk. Talking about uh, differences, you know, how are you approaching this camp any different than the other camps? Or are you incorporating anything different, anything new, or is it kind of you have a process, you trust that process, and everything's pretty much the same from the last camp? I have a very good process, and I, and I have a very good, um, you know, I've been in many world total camps. Don't forget, I've not only had my, uh, you know, big fights, my last two fights against world champions and former world champions, uh, where I've had to prepare for big fights and 12 rounders. But you now the three world title campaigns with Pacquiao has served me right because it's like I've done my own world title camps back then. So I have a good understanding of what I need to do. I've got a fantastic team here in Sydney where I've been preparing nonstop since straight after the Solby fight. I've got a fantastic team in Miami with, uh, with Javier Santino, Sweatbox. And, um, you know, we know what we have to do, but we are doing a lot of different things as well. That's uh, that's something for everyone to see. I'm not going to tell everyone, but there's thousands of things that we're doing different. Uh, just expect a, a very good, ferocious cambosis in this fight. When you mentioned the different things, I know uh, some of them are alluding to like uh, game plan wise, 
but um in terms of like approach or like are you bringing new people in or are you doing like new types of like strength and conditioning workouts like what what can you tell us without uh letting them in on on the plan yeah we have very very good sparring partners ready to go in miami but we're flying them in from everywhere uh in the u.s we're bringing the best guys in to prepare and uh to be exactly like uh, Lopez's style but for my strength side of things I spent eight weeks straight after the Selby fight on a specific scientific, you know, routine where I'm bigger, stronger, faster, more explosive. So don't be surprised when me and Lopez weigh in. He's drawn out big time and, and made struggle to make weight. Don't be surprised I'm the bigger fighter and, and um, you know, haven't had to rip muscle off my body because I make the weight very well. So we have a fantastic team. And there is the small little things, and there's so many more, but I'm not going to get into it, that we have been doing. Um, this is a once-in-a-lifetime shot. Just like uh, Lopez had his once-in-a-lifetime shot against Lomachenko to win all them belts, this is a once-in-a-lifetime shot. And you best believe I'm preparing with everything I have. Yeah, you, you realize the magnitude of this because this, these types of opportunities, for, especially for a fighter, you, you never know when you're going to get the next one. You never know because yeah, it's such right. an unforgiving sport. It is, it is. It's an unforgiving sport. And um, at the end of the day, you know, I believe good karma when you work hard and, and, you, and you take the risks. And look, I went to the US very early in my career from Australia. I had to prove my way in the gyms against some very, very good guys. And then my opportunities started to, to obviously, you know, come about. So I believe in good karma. And, um, you know, everything happens for a reason. You always dream about fighting for your, for your first uh, world title. And uh, when I won that eliminator, I thought, beautiful, here we go. That world title's coming, but then you realize, wait a minute, he's got all the belts too. So how good's that? Um, it's, it's like you're playing at the casino, you're playing poker and you get a, a royal flush. This is my royal flush. Are you having the remainder of your camp in Miami or are you going to go to LA or, or are you going to stay put in Miami? I'm going to go to LA first for the first couple of days. I'm going to meet the guys at Triller. I'm going to meet Ryan Kavanaugh and uh, whoever else is there, just like Lopez done. Um, I won't be dancing around and parading around with all my belts like uh, Lopez was. I won't be acting a fool and acting like a kid. I go in there, I wear a suit like a businessman, and uh, I talk about the deal. I talk about uh, other things that, that are thriller working on. And, um, you know, I go in there as a man by myself. Obviously, I have my manager with me, but I don't have to parade around with my belts because I don't have any. Uh, but maybe after this fight, I will parade. And then I'll go straight to Miami. I'll be in LA for two, three days. And I go straight to Miami. And um, look, I'm in, I'm in great condition already, man. I'd say if, if I was tomorrow, let's, let's do it. I'm ready to go. Mm. Um, but I'll go to Miami and uh, we'll keep notching it up more and more and more. I keep going through the gears. And, and I come that, that date, end of May, uh, early June, whenever that fight announcement officially becomes announced, I'll be ready to go. You know, you had a lot of uh, success early on in Australia and then you made the decision to come over here and go international when you could have had it a lot easier over there back home. And that to me really, really stuck out to me. And I wanted to, to get a little bit more in, in depth with that on you. Why'd you make that decision when you could have had an easier route and let's say, you know, bigger paydays um, and, and just overall, you know, more purses coming your way as opposed to, the more difficult route is coming over here and having the fights that you had. Because exactly where it's taking me today, exactly where the end goal was. 
And now I'm the highest paid fighter in the country in Australia. But the end goal was always to get to this obviously situation and to be ready. Because if I stayed in Australia and got my opportunity on a once-off, like many of Australian fighters do, I would have got beat. Mickey Bay would have beat me. Selby would have beat me. But I made the, the I took the risk. I left home. You know, I, I saved up as much as I had to use it for camp. And um, I went in there after I was 10 and 0 from Australia. I built up my, my foundation here. I built up my style and then I went straight to, to the US. There's no bullshit with me. I, I'm as real as it comes. And, um, you know, if I was going to get beat or beat up in the US, you know, I'd rather know that I'm not going to make it than waste my time and, and fool the public and, and the crowd and fool myself. Most importantly, um, we went straight to the US and I was thrown, thrown in there with lions, man. I was thrown in there with, with Sergei Lipinets, Andre Klimov, um, you know, Jose Ramirez, Ray Beltran, and all these, these world champions, all these guys that, that are, are so known. And when people found out, oh, you're sparring that guy, oh, man, that guy's a killer. I go, all right, bring him on. Are you sparring that guy? Okay, bring him on. And I never shown, shown the way from, from any fighter. And um, that's why with this fight too, people are saying, oh, he's a killer, man. Bring him on. And they've said that about many guys in my career. They've said that about many guys I was going to spar and fight. Um, and all I say is, uh, and we say it in Greek, Molon Lave, do you want to come and get it? A lot of fans wouldn't know this, or, or a lot of fans seeing this, this would be like their, their first real introduction to you. And, and I, I thought this was the coolest like little fact about you because I, I didn't know this was like a real thing. Obviously, you know, you, you're, you live in Australia, but you're Greek. And I was reading that you're like a real Spartan. Like that's an actual like real, real thing. Yes. Yeah. My family's from, from Sparta, from the that's money peninsula. So, so freaking um, cool, if you man. Get back, like if you you're get, like legit, like your, your ancestry like dates back to like all the way back there. Yes. If you go back into uh, my, my, my family tree, you'll probably find the, the blood of, of uh, you know, Leonidas and, and the warriors from back then. So I'm a warrior, man. I'll take that with me. That's why, you know, whoever they bring bring to me and whoever I fight, it's not not a, not a big uh, matter. I'm not concerned with with anyone. You know, like I said, I go with my shoe or, or on my shoe. I'll never retreat. And some of my back, never retreat, never surrender. Um, I take that with me. I'm, I'm a very proud Greek. I'm a very proud Australian. And uh, when you mix it, you know, together, you get ferocious cambosis. With everything else I have, um, you know, I can't lose, man. I can't. I can't be beat. I'm just hungry and look, they're going to doubt me. That's fine. But I hope after doing this interview too with, with you guys and people can see the more real side from me and, you know, they understand that and I'm coming to fight and I will shock your boy. What, um, so your, your family ended up in Australia or, or you decided to, to go to Australia? Like how, how did that all come about? My family, my family, my grandparents came to Australia, mm-hmm. um, you know, with nothing, with absolute nothing. Kind of like when I went to the U.S., to, to create opportunities to give my family a better life. Um, the, the exact same thing. You know, they came here, you know, in, in, the, in the early 60s to give their family a better life and take a risk. You know, you got to understand, go to another country that you can't speak English and you've never been there. And they're, they're talking about, obviously, Australia being on the other side of the world from Greece. You know, that, that's, that's a big risk. And when you listen, and I sit down with my grandparents and my, and my grandmothers, and they're all alive, you know, bless them. Um, and listen to the stories that they said, what they had to do and, and the jobs they had to work and, you know, things they had to go through. Uh, it's crazy, man. And look, at the end of the day, 
You know, you got to respect that. They came to a country with, with nothing, you know, and, and look, racism was, was very big back then too where, you know, they didn't fit in, but they made it work. And obviously it's, it's a big thing in the world at the moment. I'm seeing a lot of news in the, in the U.S. as well with, with Asian um, hate and, and racism. Look, the world's got to stop that, man. We've got to be, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're one. You know, we're all one. You know, we bleed the same blood. So, you know, why can't we love each other and, and, and support each other and, uh, you know, just do what we do and, and we'll be a better world. No, I, I agree, man. You know, that that point really uh, drove home to me. Like, people need to travel, I think, because you yeah. start seeing, like, how we're all really the same. I remember I went to China, and there's this older gentleman, and me and him were checking out a really pretty girl, and we both gave each other a look and, like, smiled and, like, nodded our head. And I'm like, that that's like the human universal language. Like, we have more in common with each other than, than what we have uh, mm. difference-wise, regardless of, like, if we have a little bit more melatonin in our skin or, you know, we, we speak a different language. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, like I said, we bleed red. We all bleed the same color. So it doesn't matter what's are, on the outside. All, and we all shit the same color too. This, you know, That's right, the same man. Air. So yeah. It doesn't matter if you're a you're multi-millionaire, billionaire, you're struggling with, with 10 cents in your pocket. Uh, we bleed and shit the same, man. So, yeah. um, I'm a big advocate of that, man. I just, I respect everybody. Um, you know, a lot of people think I'm the way my confidence persuades and people think uh, I'm arrogant or whatever, but, you know, that's far from the truth. Anyone that, that ever sat down and, and spoke to me properly, they realized that he's a confident guy, a focused guy, but will give his shirt off his back. Um, I'm, I'm loved. I'm loved here in Australia, man. I'm loved. I went to an amateur fight night last night to support some, some young amateurs and I couldn't stop, man. There's about 250, 300 photos and, and I went up and, and spoke and, Man, they, they, I feel very blessed to be in the position I'm in right now. And I'm, I'm trying to make that for the whole world to say, look, this guy came from, from nothing. He entered the hard way and he took over the world. So it'll, be my, it'll, it'll be my takeover. <laughs> so you mentioned that your, your grandparents uh, came from Greece uh, to Australia. Did they, like, did your grandfather or anyone in your family box? Like, how did you end up boxing? No, no one, no one boxed. No one boxed at all. Um, I was overweight. I was bullied, obviously, as a young kid. And, um, I was playing uh, park footy here, rugby league. And uh, in the off-season, my father would say, look, we've got to lose some weight, man. We've got to go to some uh, – obviously, we live near, not too far from where the, the, the beach is. And I say, look, man, you've got to do some nippers, some, some beach work. And that wasn't for me. You're not going to see this big, heavy, uh, you know, fat kid running on the beach. So uh, we decided, look, about boxing. And I, I went to boxing. I fell in love with, with, uh, with the sport the first day. You know, the smell of the gym, being an old school gym, could have drove any kid away. But uh, for me, I fell in love with that sport. So, you know, day by day, I chipped away and, and I took many beatings, but I stayed strong. And, uh, you know, before you know it, I had my first amateur fight. And 100 amateur fights later, I traveled all, all around the world fighting the best guys as an amateur. Um, now I'm here, number one in the world in the IBF, number one in the WBO, and ready to become the uh, undisputed unified lightweight champion of the world and, and, and shock everybody. How overweight were you? I used to weigh what I fight at right now. So 61, 62 kilos, 135 pounds. But as a kid, as like, a little kid. At 11 years of age, 12 years oh, wow. of age. So I was a big kid. Uh, I love my food. I love to eat. And um, unfortunately, when you go to your grandparents' house, they, they make a lot of good food and, you know, you just eat. And all of a sudden, you're not doing as much activity and you're not burning the calories and, you know, you stack it on. But uh, every, everyone has a road, everyone has a journey, and uh, that's my journey. And uh, again, I got bullied a lot as a young kid, and 
you know, that's another bit of fire that motivates me as well you know, to, to prove a lot of people wrong. Usually when you enter boxing, you know, it comes to a point where like you realize if you're good enough or you're not good enough to have a real future uh, in the sport. What was that moment for you that like, you realized like, you know what, I'm a lot better than everyone else in this. Like, I, I, I think I could make a run at this, like a real run at this. I think when I started beating the elite fighters and the amateurs, uh, guys that were very known here, guys that had heaps of amateur fights. I was only the new young kid on the block, maybe 15, 16. And I started beating and beating a world and a lot of people started taking notice and said, man, you got to see that, that young kid, George. Um, even when I was in my sparring sessions as a young kid, you know, when I jump in the ring, everyone just stop, just want to watch. So I always felt like I had that, uh, that shining light. But especially when I started beating these good guys, um, I felt great. You know, I said, you know what, this can be something. But again, it's, it's never been an easy road. It's been a hard road, man. You know, you, you get times where you think, this is hard, man. This, you know, there's no money coming in. I've got people to support. You know, I've got bills to pay. But you just stay focused. You stay hungry. And, uh, you know, that, that moment comes for a split second. And then you realize what you're doing it for and the goal you're trying to achieve. Um, you know, you, you, don't, you don't let that uh, affect you. And you keep chasing your dreams. Yeah, I would imagine, you know, every young boxer coming up gets to that point where they kind of question, like, man, is it, is it worth even doing this? Is it worth all the sacrifice and all that? Did you ever get to a point that, that you did question it? And if you did, you know, what kept you going? I, I never questioned it where, you know, it was about to turn me off. I always, when I start something, I finish it. So um, the, the biggest was, you know, when's, the, when's, you know, the money a little bit better going to kind of come in to be able to support more people and support my family, um, you know, to help my family, you know, when uh, these opportunities are going to, you know, pop up, you know, when am I going to get this fight? I, I, I want a known guy. I want a guy that, that's got a name to prove my worth. And, um, you know, I think, especially in the US, when I got Mickey Bay and I chased that fight pretty hard, um, you know, I was prepared to take that fight for free if I had to, just to get Mickey in the ring because he was the only guy stepping up and I got to applaud him, man. And I know he's training Devin Haney now too, so that's, uh, that's quite interesting, but, um, he stepped up and he was in the best shape of his life. He was sparring Richard Comey, you know, and, and I heard a lot of things from that camp as well. So um, that's what stepped out my fight in America. And obviously to go beat Lee Selby in his backyard, a guy that defended the ball five, six times, you know, uh, you know that's, that's, that's really showed what I'm, what I'm about and, and my, my grit and determination. Your time with Manny, and you've mentioned it, you know, throughout this interview, you know, um, you've learned a lot and you spent, you know, uh, three camps with them, you know, what do you think you've learned like the most from Manny that that's applied to you uh, in your career and in your fights? There's so much, you know, with, with Manny, he's, he's just an unbelievable uh, fighter, unbelievable human. And to spend so much time with him and, and to learn so much from him um, gives me the confidence you know, to tackle anyone in the world and fight anybody because you know, this guy is an all-time great. This guy's a legendary fighter, and when his career comes to an end, um, and as he progresses, he's going to be like fine wine. You know, he's going to get better with age because they're going to see how his career actually unfolded and what he actually went and achieved. And it'll never be done again what he done in, in boxing. You know, 13, 14 world titles, eight divisions. It's not going to happen again. No chance. Um, so you know, I learned a lot the way he prepares, the one percenters, the, the, the hard work he puts in. You know how he is with the fans, the the, the people he gives back to. Um, how he is with, with you know, people that are helping him, you know, his, his guys that are sparring him. You know, every little bit, you know, with that guy, you, you learn, you take away, and 
not many fighters are blessed to be able to, to, to work with a guy like that. Um, I did it for three world title campaigns and they wanted me again, but uh, unfortunately, I had to go do my own thing. For the Thurman fight, I had to break away from that sparring partner mentality and that sparring partner and become, you know, my own man. But, you know, I'll never, I'll never forget that. And again, like, like I said, that's my ace up my sleeve. Things that I've done with him, things that I put out, pushed out with, with him and um, the school level I had to go to with him. And uh, I know what I'm about and I know what I can do in this fight and I will do. Man, I can only imagine like that first sparring session you had. I'd be nervous, like looking over and be like, man, that's Manny. Like, I've I've seen this guy on TV like fight like the, the last like 10, 15 years. Like, what the heck? You know? Yeah, look, I was uh, watching Manny when I was a young kid. You know, watch him destroy everybody. And I, I loved uh, Miguel Cotto and he absolutely destroyed him. And when uh, everything came to, to me sparring him, I said, wow, this is Pacquiao. Uh, he came straight from the Senate. So I was warming up. I didn't even get to say hi to him or hi, I'm from Australia. Or, you know, I'm, I'm a sparring partner. I'm sparring you. There was no hello. The first hello was jump in the ring and there's about 100 Filipinos all outside because wherever go, Pacquiao goes, there's an entourage. Uh, just they were watching, you know. So it was like a fight. Since I stepped in the, in the ropes, you know, the first uh, hello was, was a lead jab to the head, you know. And, um, the, the first hello was boom, boom. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> popping his shots and I'm popping my shots. And I'm, like everyone's saying, I'm very fast. I'm very explosive. I move very well too. So um, it was like a mirror in itself because everyone was just like, whoa, wait a minute, who's this guy? And, you know, whoa, you know, look at this sparring. And Manny needed that at that stage. And, you know, like he's openly said, I made him feel young throughout his camps and I gave him that uh, you know, that hunger back where you know look at this young guy coming through and pushing me and um, yeah, it was awesome especially that first sparring because that was your test that was to see okay if I don't cut it in that in that sparring session say later go home we don't need you it's, it's, it's cutthroat in his business but as soon as that sparring session was done uh, he turned around to his guys and goes who's that kid he's coming with us 100% wherever we go we need him with us and that was a you know a great confidence booster for myself. And as the camp got better, you know I got better and better. And to get called back, especially after the J- Jeff Horn loss, the controversy there, they usually don't call a sparring partner back after uh, losing a fight. So to get called back for the Matisse fight and then the Adrian Broner fight, and then obviously they wanted me for the Thurman fight too, shows a lot of my career. I still stay close with the guys and, and everyone there, and. Uh, I'm 100% sure that they're, they're backing me and, and uh, you know, supporting me in this fight. Describe his power for me because I've talked to individuals uh, about Manny's power and, and they say it's like a one, they say like punches are coming from like all different angles and they're just like, what in the hell is, is coming at me? Uh, but the other thing they say is his, his power is extremely deceiving when he does hit yep. you. Yeah, it's very deceiving. It's not like a, a solid thump, you know, where you feel it and you react to it. Um, it's like, boom, lightning. And all of a sudden, okay, you got caught. And all of a sudden, bang, 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 there's a few more coming at you. But, you know, I'm very defensively very good as well. And I throw my offense, you know, very, very sharp as well. As you said, a, a great counterpunch. And I think my counterpunch got even better when I had to work with a guy like that to become such a great counterpuncher. So, um, I'll tell you, that sparring sessions, man, and there was about 250 rounds of, of that. You know, many people, you know, would have paid big money to watch that because, like I said, it was like a mirror, both super fast. Um, you know, maybe, maybe at that stage I was a little bit faster than him being the younger guy and obviously Freddie Roach came out and said that as well um, but the way he moves you know, everything he does 
you know, is way better than what Lopez does. And I saw a funny thing with, uh, you know, Lopez's dad saying that, oh, Pacquiao, who, who's Pacquiao? My son's better than Pacquiao. These guys really need to, uh, to be humbled. You know, they talk a lot and, you know, I feel like they're very arrogant too. And they were talking about Lomachenko being very arrogant and disrespecting them. Well, I feel the same way. And just like their son, his son, beat the great Lomachenko. Be careful what bites you in the ass. George, how did you and um, Manny like meet and become friends? Like, did you guys already know of each other before or was it like a trainer introduction or how did that happen? I was sparring at uh, Wildcard and um, I was sparring five rounds with, with Ray Beltran and then five rounds back to back with Jose Ramirez. That's 10 rounds with two very, very good guys. And uh, at that time when I was preparing for a fight of mine, uh, while I was in LA, you know, the horn fight got made with, with, with Manny. And Freddie had turned around. And uh, obviously, I was with Justin Fortune at that stage as well. Um, they said, look, how would you feel about sparring Pacquiao you know, for the horn fight? I think your style would be great for him. You're fast, explosive, can be very aggressive too. So, mate, no problem. They go, but he's another countryman of yours. He said, it doesn't bother me, mate. Uh, you know, you know, Pacquiao's an idol of mine. He's, he's a legend. And, uh, you know, sign me up. I'll go right now if you want. So, yeah, that's how it happened, man. And I went over and, and I had uh, my fight. I had a big fight uh, on as a co-feature to uh, Joseph Parker in New Zealand. And uh, in that fight, I actually got split open over my eye. And the first thing that came to my head is, shit, i got to go spar Pacquiao in two weeks. I hope this cut doesn't affect us, so. You know, we got through that win and it was a very, very good fight. Um, and straight away, I was getting the eye fixed up. I was doing whatever I can to make sure the eye, you know, didn't affect me going and sparring uh, Manny Pacquiao. And throughout this whole, you know, uh, opportunity to go spar Pacquiao, you know, my, my uh, fiance was pregnant with our first kid. She was like seven months pregnant. So, again, talk about the sacrifice. I had to go to the Philippines, a dangerous part of the world. Obviously, General Santos, where Manny's from. Um, we have threats from ISIS and, and all, all different types of things going on. No, and wait, then for got, Yes, yes. Yeah. They had just taken over Marawi. So we had threats that they were going to come down the mountains and, uh, and snipe us out as well from, wow. uh, yeah, from the mountains. And then obviously I got my, my, my fiance and I'm seven months pregnant. So when I get back and I get my Wi-Fi at the hotel, I'm thinking, please don't tell me the baby's come. But uh, thank God, you know, we got through that camp and unfortunately didn't win the fight, but it is what it is. And I uh, got to go home and see the, f- the first uh, birth of my, of my daughter. He beat Jeff Horn. I, and I like Jeff. I get along with Jeff, but he, he beat Jeff in that fight. I thought he'd done enough. I thought he'd done just enough as a champion, but it was a very close fight. And um, well, I thought, to, I thought he'd to done Jeff's enough. credit, Jeff roughed him up. And I don't think Manny yep. was expecting that. Look, and we said it too in camp. My style is for the speed and get his vision and the sharpness, you know, get his eye ready. And to give him that, that, that hunger and that work and that, obviously, punch output. But he needed bigger, solid guys, heavier guys. Because I said it. I said, look, Jeff, he's a solid guy. Uh, he is bigger than me. So you need solid guys. But they thought they knew what they were doing. And uh, you know, who am I? I was, I was uh, in camp for the first time with them. So I wasn't getting the you know, rule too much. But um, look, good fight. It is what it is. It was great for, for Australian boxing. It lifted and elevated Australian boxing. And that was the last time. There was a big, big mega fight happen for an Australian fighter, and obviously this is the uh, the next one. And I'll make sure that uh, you know, there'll be no question marks after this fight.
Yeah, I had heard this fight was supposed to be over there because of your ability to draw like a huge crowd at a stadium. What happened to that? Yeah, I have a very, very big fan base here in Australia, especially in Melbourne. Uh, there are so many Greeks in Melbourne, so many Australian um, you know, sporting fans. So we would have done without COVID. That fight was done. It would have happened here. Um, you know, you probably would have done 80,000 at the Marvel Stadium. would have been massive. Unfortunately, and we had a legitimate offer. It was sent in. Everything was sent in. Um, you know, unfortunately, Australian Open came. Quarantine issues came and everyone in the world heard about it, about Australia with the quarantine in Melbourne. And that really put a damper on the fight and uh, obviously bringing it here. But, you know, it is, it is what it is. You know, I've had to earn it this far going into the, uh, the, the, the backyards of, of uh, the world champions, the former world champions. So I think maybe, maybe I, I like it deep down. I like it like that. I think I, I like thriving on being the underdog and, you know, going into someone's backyard because you go into someone else's home and you take everything off them. I think it feels even better. But um, I, I will come back to Australia. You know, I will win this fight and bring all these balls back to Australia. And, uh, you know, then all the champions will have to come and see me and I won't have to travel anywhere. You're such an honest guy, George. I got to ask you this. So it's a little thing that sometimes uh, we do where we ask uh, the people that we talk to, what's just the first thought that comes to your mind when a certain fighter is, is named? So I'm, I'm going to go up because obviously you're, the, you're in the lightweight division. So I'm going to name off the lightweights and I'm going to just get your honest first reaction to each and every one of them uh, that I go ahead and list off. So uh, first being Vasily Lomachenko. Crafty. Devin Haney. <laughs> the email champ. <laughs> My, no, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. The Gmail champ. Oh, Gmail. Okay. From, it might have come through Gmail. <laughs> Ryan Garcia. Good guy. Spoke to him. FaceTime with him. Good guy. Luke Campbell. Tough, but just couldn't crack that next level. Jorge Linares. Old school veteran. Um, still very dangerous. Javier Fortuna. Dangerous, but not as known. Tank Davis. Small, but dangerous. Uh, fighter. And finally, Teofimo Lopez. My next victim. <laughs> <laughs> this was George Kambosis. George, man. Hey, it was a, a great chat, man. Love talking to you. Thank you so, so much. This man right here uh, challenging Teofimo Lopez for all the lightweight titles, uh, looking to be the number one lightweight fighter in the world. George, man, hey, any final messages uh, you want to send off over there to uh, the fans in Australia and over here in the States? Oh, man, I, I just appreciate all the support. Uh, I appreciate the negativity as well because it motivates me even more. That I, Not that I really need too much motivation in a fight like this. And, uh, man, best believe we're ready to go. I'm in the gym. You now there's some sparring kicking off here. And uh, I'm going to get in another session. Make a number two for the day, and I'll get another one later on too. So we're preparing, man. We're hungry, and uh, we are coming for victory, nothing less. Perfect. That was George Cambosis Jr. He fights Teofimo Lopez coming up on Triller in a uh, highly anticipated fight. George, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to Fight Up TV. If you enjoyed this interview today, leave us a five-star review. It would help us out a lot. Stay up to date with us online as well. Make sure to follow us on our social media at Fight Up TV. Thank you.